the proportion of energy people spend on politics, the proportion of energy that the news and media spends on talking about politics is not helping you. Welcome everyone. It's been a second since I've shot or recorded a podcast. I've actually spent the last few months on a couple of ranches that I bought. Got about 12 horses. You might have seen it on my social media, but I thought I would talk about something because I've got a few people in the car with me. We're driving down from LA to San Diego to visit my 100-year-old grandma. She's actually a hundred and a half right now. And I thought Christiani asked me a question about she works in D.C., what I think about politics, why I'm not that involved in it. And uh, what was the question you asked, Christiane? What would your ideal government would look like? Oh, no, but before then. Okay, I remember you asked me, well, this is what I said. I said presidents don't matter that much. Politics doesn't matter that much. Now, I know a lot of people will go up in arms and argue against me, and my answer is, you're going up in arms against me because you don't know the difference between causation and correlation. So there's a lot of correlated factors with presidents, but they're not causative. Very few things are causative. And what that means, I'll give an example in layman's terms. Rudy Giuliani and Bill Clinton presided over a time in American history where crime had been high and then it dropped during their time in office. So Giuliani was running New York City, Clinton running the United States. And they said, see, we implemented so-and-so policy, and all of a sudden crime dropped. But some scientists, and you'll be familiar with this if you've read the book Freakonomics, economic professors from Chicago, University of Chicago, one of the most esteemed universities, they say, no, it had nothing to do with these presidents or these mayors. It was what happened in the 1970s, the change in laws around abortion, the change in laws and how it affected poor people, more high-risk mothers that give birth to people more likely to commit crimes because they're born into poverty. So what they're saying is the actual causation of the drop in crime at the time that Giuliani and Clinton were in office had nothing to do with, it could have been anybody in office doing any basic policy. But what mattered was demographics. If a certain section of the population doesn't produce as much, crime might drop, right? So if you look around the world, what really is gonna drive and what really is gonna affect you, it's not so much who the president is. Now, I know some people argue and say, die, well, the president determines who goes into the Supreme Court. And there's some truth to that. But the Supreme Court oftentimes reflects demographic, uh, popular opinion. For example, in the 1800s, the Supreme Court, there's a very famous um, ruling that black people did not count as full humans. And the reason that the president elected those Supreme Court justices because that was the zeitgeist of the time. At that time, a lot of people in America were racist. And so it wasn't like the president could change the world by finding all these Supreme Court justices. Because remember, the Supreme Court justices also have to be confirmed. 
and they're being confirmed by the general kind of uh, popular slash opinion through the representatives that are in Washington, D.C. So what really should matter to everybody is not so much whether Donald Trump is president, because look, let's be honest, Donald Trump, Obama, has the world changed for the average person or people that are struggling making $50,000 a year? Do they notice even one iota of difference? No. And even if there's a change in tax policy, it's not major. What changes your life massively is not a change in tax policy. It's not a change in, you know, there are big demographic things that could change your life. My 100-year-old grandma's life was changed by war. And war, you could say Adolf Hitler started the war But you can also argue that it was demographics. The Germans, if you study German history all the way back to the 1880s, which is the formation of modern Germany, you know, you had a series. There was no Germany before the late 1800s. In the 1840s, there was no Germany. There was Pomerania. There was Prussia, all these small states. And as Germany got bigger, it united. And by the time my grandma was born in 1918, It was in the middle of the First World War, which was over land. France and Germany have been arguing over land for a long time. It's actually the part of the land that the Amish come from called Alsace-Lorraine. It's a fertile farmland. In in World War II, Hitler talked about called, I forget the name of it, it was room something. It it, it basically meant we need more room to feed our people. And so... It was still, when I say demographics, what I mean is things like change in population growth, how old the average person in in your country or your location is, um, general morality, like what people consider normal. I, I put that under demographics. That's what matters. The president, in my opinion, is a reflection of what's already there. They don't cause anything. George Bush was a reflection of where America was at. And uh, obviously there's exceptions to this rule. This is not a hard and fast rule. I'm not saying presidents have zero effect. I'm just saying the proportion of energy people spend on politics, the proportion of energy that the news and media spends on talking about politics is not helping you. The, the, why doesn't the news and the media talk more about things that really matter? Like, for example, on, we took a little stop. We were stopping somewhere on the drive down, and I was just entering my meal into my fitness pal, which my fitness pal, I, I've spent, I'm on my way to spending about a million dollars over five years testing every known thing for your health, from supplements to, you know, stem cell treatments, all this stuff. And I can tell you, if you want to change your body, the most powerful tool, and this is not an endorsement, I don't get paid by them. Um, and there might be another tool that's similar, but MyFitnessPal is a free app. If you precisely put in your food and see what you're eating and adjust for your ideal macronutrient and micronutrient um, uh, ratios per day, your body will change like a, robotically. And But nobody talks about that in the news. Nobody talks about that in school. No politician cares. But that really matters. If you're overweight or unhealthy, that really matters for your life. That will cut 20 or 30 years off your life. No politician will cut 20 or 30 years off your life unless they go to war and send you to war. 
Maybe that's the most power a president can have probably is declaring war. But not so much anymore because we don't have a draft in the same way. In the, 19, the last real draft was the Vietnam War. So president there at the time, you know, you had two different presidents, right? So Vietnam, let's say Lyndon Johnson, he had a big effect because he was sending people to their death. Well, sending them to war and a lot of people died. But besides that, we don't have a draft anymore. What you eat going to kill you or determine you having a good life. A lot more in presidents, but zero people talk about that. Nobody knows about soil fertility. Nobody understands. Even people that think they're eating organic, nobody really understands it because nobody talks about it. Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks yeah, also definitely. in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow through day concept. One of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Nobody talks about income and how to build your career correctly. And nobody talks about how to read people and nobody talks about psychology and practical psychology. Nobody talks about how to do your taxes, like everything you'll have to do. Nobody tells you how to make good decisions. Nobody tells you how to read, whether you have exploitative people or not, understand personality types. These are the things that matter. You think presidents determine any of this? No, no. And I repeat, no. And anybody who wants to go down that long line of argument is just deluded. I mean, this is so, the fact that some people argue with me, I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I wanna meet the people that go, January 2016, December 2016, my life was amazing. January 2016, just all went downhill. Boy, Trump got in, I mean, just my life. It was amazing, I had a six pack, I had a happy marriage. I was making six-figure income. I had passive and active income I had. And then a new president came in, all wiped out. Took about three days. Once he got in office, boy, he declared an executive order, remove all happiness from Bob. No, there's no story about that ever by any president. No one ever's life ever changes from December to January. But there are things that will change your life which are broad demographic things, stuff like that, shifts in the world. And uh, that's what I focus on. Most people want to focus on whatever is the loudest thing in the media. Basically, if you want to live a good life, be contrarian. If, if the media is always talking about politics, then make that the least important part of your life. If the media never talks about self-education, reading a book, um, if the media never talks about psychology, how to know who to marry and not to marry. You know, there's visual cues. Dr. David Buss told me he can sit down with a couple before they're married and in 15 minutes tell you 
how long it'll take them to get divorced or if they'll stay together for life. That's a practical lesson that everybody should know how to be able to read a dating situation and know if it's going to last, how to get out of toxic friendships, relationships, family, associations, zero. That's what matters. That's what matters. That, that's what matters. Politics will come and go. And another caveat to remember is there's basically never been good politicians for the last 2000 years. Study history. I study history a lot. Start with the Caesars. There was a few good Caesars and most of them were horrific people who exploited their own people. Look around the world. Yes, every politician tells you how they're in it to serve mankind. If you believe that, you are the sucker in the room. Never be the sucker in a room. I mean, when has it been good? When is the good old days? Was the good old days when Woodrow Wilson was running America? I don't know. A lot of people say he was a horrible president. He started United Nations. He, you know, put it this way. For every president, you could... Abraham Lincoln. People bring him up as the greatest president. I think he was a great president in certain ways, but he also definitely wasn't anti-slavery until it helped his presidency. He did not, he ran, I believe I'm correct in saying this, he ran for president under a platform of, I won't get rid of slavery. I'll just not allow it to expand. He didn't care about black people. He cared about becoming the president because what mattered was the demographics of the time and no one person could change the entire opinion of a nation. And at that time, people didn't really consider black people to be on par socially and status-wise with white people. That's even people in the North didn't. People in the North didn't want their daughters to marry a black person. They might think they shouldn't be slaves. But my point being is stop looking up to people who probably shouldn't be looked up to. You can learn from everybody, make no mistake. George Washington, definitely, I read a book recently where one of his slaves got away. He pursued her, she wanted her freedom. She went up to the North, he actively hired people to go hunt her down and bring her back, okay? That was George Washington, the first president. Name a good president, Richard Nixon, is always hated on, but what about JFK? Read on about JFK. People talk about sex scandals with Bill Clinton. I think JFK slept with a new girl every day he was in office. I mean, no one knows for sure, but he definitely had tunnels that he could tunnel women in and out from. And uh, so I'm not saying this guy's a bad guy. I'm just saying that's what politicians have been like for a long time. There's famous politicians we remember are Ivan the Terrible, 1500s, Russia. Sounds like a great guy, Ivan the Terrible. People who aspire to be leaders usually have mental problems. If you meet somebody who wants to be a politician, mark my words, they have, if you test them under a standard Hexaco score, dark triad score, they will be wacky. Washington, D.C. is full of whack job. Now, intelligent people, make no mistake, but it's full of Machiavellianism, psychopath, psychopathy, and narcissism to the nth degree. D.C. is a hub, and I actually like the city of D.C., but to be in the heart of that? Law of Attraction says you attract what you are. So if we know there's narcissists 
in politics, they attract more. It gets bigger and bigger. Their staff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and these are actually, what I'm saying now is not an opinion. It's backed up by hardcore um, statistics. Google, you could just Google the phrase, high narcissism professions. You have things like CEOs. That's why I don't hang out with many entrepreneurs. If I meet somebody and they're like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm like, ugh. It's funny, sometimes girls like approach me on Instagram or whatever and they'll, they like wanna go out on a date and they'll be like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur. And sometimes, and not just girls, but guys don't write me for dates. So I'm not saying this in a sexist way to call out women versus men. It's definitely men are crazier, but I don't date men, so I can't speak to that. But that is not, all that says to me is you're five times more likely to be a, to have mental problems because it's about 500% more mental problems with CEOs and politicians. God knows what the exact ratio is. It's probably five to one probably five times more like now there are good people in politics you can never make an extreme rule and say everybody who's a ceo or an entrepreneur is a psychopath or narcissist or machiavellian it's not that simple but as a general sweeping rule it's pretty descriptive of the overall vibe the overall vibe of dc is gonna be a power hungry one and by the way that's genetic too genetics matter a lot and now with demographic ability for populations to just get on an airplane and move you have big shifts of certain like Los Angeles definitely has more shallow narcissists than most cities makes sense it's easy to move to Los Angeles you get on a $300 air one-way ticket from a little town in Omaha Nebraska basically every narcissist who thinks they're pretty and talented moves to Los Angeles. Everybody who's power hungry, no, I'm, I'm exaggerating, not everybody, but lots of people from every little town in Australia and Romania. And so there's, there's vibes, and this is what I was talking about, understanding demographics. There's vibes to Los Angeles. There's vibes to New York City. I would say, vibe, you know, the New York City vibe is definitely more psychopath. I mean, lower empathy in the sense that New Yorkers are ready to fight. It's like, whoa, you go on a subway in New York, you're like, oh my God, no one smiles. And, and that's not just meaning that people are actual psychopaths. It's just on the scale of one to a hundred of agreeableness, for example, New York. And New Yorkers actually admit this. New Yorkers are like, we're no bullshit people. We'll tell you what we think of you right away. That's they're kind of rough around the edges, and that's associated more with these dark triad skills. And then you have you know DC, which is people who grew up going, I want to come to power, and usually people are self deceived, so they say things like, I want to come to power so that I can change the world, but eh, usually not that simple. Humans aren't that simple, people have underlying subconscious driving factors that they don't <laughs> they, they don't admit because they don't even know they have them great book self-deception the folly of fools one of the biggest cognitive biases that cause us to make mistakes when i say cognitive biases i mean thinking incorrectly when it comes to politics we use something called the misweighting bias it's one of 25 mistakes most humans make when they think through things 
So misweighting means you put the wrong importance on something. People think, oh, we get this president thing right. We elect the right president and then everything's going to be amazing in America or it's going to be better. Most politicians run on a platform of hope for the future, some variation of this. And they've been doing this for 2,000 years and people have been falling for it hook, like line and sinker for 2,000 years. <laughs> Caesar. Oh, Caesar's going to come in and he's going to give land to the poor and take away serfdom. And then absolute power corrupts absolutely. And in the United States where we have presidents, so presidents don't have absolute power. They don't get corrupted. Absolutely, they get corrupted partially because to the extent you have power in general is to the extent that you take it to the extreme, even to the extreme of abusing it. I'm not saying there hasn't been good presidents, but just name who they are. Like I was saying earlier in the podcast, is it is it George Washington who hunted that? There's a great book out now where he hunted down one of his slave, a woman who had worked for him, I think, for 20 years, somehow got away, went to the north, and he hired you know bounty hunters to go get her back. Is that the great president, Abraham Lincoln? I don't know about, you know, he's, he is a great president, consider one, but he didn't care about slaves. He ran on a platform, vote for me, and I won't get rid of slavery. Now, he's changed later, but was that out of principle or out of politics? Who else is a great president? I, you know, I don't know. Some people would say Obama. Some people would say Reagan. Be careful who you make your idols, who you look up to, uh, because it's far and few between people that are actually worthy of that title. And I think that people who run for presidential office almost always are very high in dark triad traits. Look around the world. I mean, look at countries like Russia. Do you think this is attracting the, the, the people? Do you think the leadership in Russia for the last 500 years has attracted people that care mostly about how well they're serving the people? Was it Putin? Was it Trotsky? Stalin? Lenin? I mean... And then you go back 1500s, it wasn't Ivan the Terrible. They named the man the Terrible. Not the Terrible as in he was a bad leader, as in he would chop your head off and set you on fire, kind of. And, and I think that we've reined in some of this in mo the modern world, but it's a thin veneer. It's a thin veneer, meaning humans haven't changed that much. Human DNA changes maybe 1% for 10,000 years. We're basically the same quote unquote savage nature people that that were running, you know, that descended from Ivan the Terrible. And so don't misweight the importance of quote unquote terrible, narcissistic, Machiavellian, psychotic politicians with your life. Because your life you got to just focus on, you got four things you have to juggle. I talk about this in the 12 foundations. I just recorded a new uh, lesson for it. You know, it's the 12 things that I wish I had been taught in school and growing up. And one of them is that life is about the balanced life, but it's not what people think of balance. It's about balancing or juggling four different things, health, wealth, love, happiness, that's all that matters. And politics are going to politicians are going to come and go. Nobody's life's ever been improved between December 31st 
of an election year and January. The inauguration was not a great day in your life, or it was a neutral day. Your life, your income probably was exactly the same. Your health, whether you had a six pack or you had a beer belly, whether you hated your job or you didn't hate your job, whether your love life sucked and your social circle was toxic and you know, you're attached to the wrong people, whether you're anxious, depressed, lonely, None of those have ever been affected by a president. There's just no one walking around the world go, greatest day of my life. The day that I got the six pack, that my income doubled, I found the love of my life, and I go to bed and wake up with just tranquility. That was the day that you know FDR became president, Ty. That was the day that, that Donald Trump or Obama was president. It's like, what? What planet are you on? And I know what it is. People like to blame other things. So when your people's life suck, they go, oh, well, it's that guy. And the news talks about at least 30% of the news is about something related to the president, some big thing, some sweeping reform. What is Trump talking about now? Iron tariffs. And yeah, let me be clear. There are short-term changes in people's lives by presidential policy. Case in point, the iron, the the tariffs on steel, for example, it's it's putting people out, jobs, people's jobs in various places in the United States and overseas are shifting. But those are short-term. What really makes your life suck is not losing a job. Because you have to understand in the modern world, there's been a demographic shift. There are no more lifelong jobs. Get this through. Everybody got to get this through. We all got to get this through our thick heads. Nothing. Do not be surprised when your job, your source, your sole source of income is swept out from under your feet because it's going to happen at an accelerated pace for the foreseeable future. I can't predict 1,000 years or something, but I can predict 20 years. It ain't getting any better. There's not pensions aren't what they used to be. The loyalty is not there. Things have glo- we've globalized. If a job can be done in another country for less money, it's going to shift there. It has to. People want to go to Walmart and they want to buy on Amazon. Do you go to Amazon and go, oh, I can buy those paper towels for 10 times more and support jobs in you know New Mexico? Do you buy those? No, people, for the most part, there's exceptions people want things cheaply. And so as long as human psychology is uh, is on par with, with today's psychology of I want things that are easier and less expensive, there's no job security. And I don't foresee that ever changing. So yes, a president can change policy, take people's jobs away, but that would have happened anyway. That would have been happening anyway. If you're in the coal industry, um, what you have to do is be self-actualized and go, look, at any time a president can change by their whim, who knows what that whim is, I better have a backup plan. I better create a second source of income. I better be self-educated. I better be a lifelong learner. And I'm going, what's the next thing that's going to work? And if you're 50 years old, you can do it. If you're 20 years old, you can do it. And the thing that I understand is that makes life fun and adventurous. What would you want? To be stuck in a steel factory for the rest of your life? Most people, even in a steel factory, I'm not degrading people who work there. I'm saying, go in a steel factory and ask them to be real brutally honest. 
if you at some point after 20 years of working in this hot place could have made a career shift into something else, does that remotely interest you? Most people are like, heck yeah. Most people continually think about improving their lives and doing other things. So it's not just the way of the world. And politics, they're not causative, they're correlated. And humans really struggle with this causation versus correlation. It's such, it's almost impossible for humans to get wrap their head around it. Yes, when Donald, here's a funny thing about politicians. I'll give you an example. Whenever anything good happens in a politician's term, he said, they say it's because of them, okay? Whenever something bad is going on, they say, see what my predecessor left? <laughs> That's great. It's almost like a magic trick of psychology. You just say to people, uh, yeah, you see my room? Really, is dirty right now. That's because uh, my previous roommate just left this place a mess and I haven't had a time. And then if it's really clean and people compliment you, be like, yeah, it's due to my hard work. If people are proud of their body, they'll be like, yeah, man, I've been working out hard in the gym. If they're not proud of the body, they'll be like, oh, my parents didn't feed me right. I don't have enough money. Whole Foods is too expensive. People always search you for that excuse. In fact, if you really want to change your life, there's been a lot of research on this. People who don't focus on externalities do better in life. And people, so you focus on the internal, not the external. When your income sucks, I have one person in my family, I won't say who it is, and I remember after the economic crash of 2008, he just blamed everything. He, he even had, a, you know, this is somebody who had a lot of responsibility because they had kids, and they would just say, well, I'll talk about when we, my stepdad was a little bit, um, let me actually not bring my family into this. <laughs> I'll use other ones. I, I don't want to. I don't want to go down that track. But we've all met people who go, "Well, I can't get a job because the economy sucks." You know what the definition of the economy sucking is for most people? Nine percent unemployment. To be clear, healthy unemployment is five percent. It means people are transferring jobs, getting promoted, and doing new things. So nine percent means it's like three to 4% higher than normal. Out of, let's say 150 million working people, 3% of them are having a hard time finding a job. That's not a disaster. 1930s in the depression era, you had 30% unemployment. Um, places like France have high, so you meet people who don't have a job and they blame the economy and then, but it's funny, ask them this question. How many people, how many stores have you walked into in person for how long? And I promise you, 99% of those people will be like, well, I've just been applying online. Well, apply more effort. Life is about the struggle. It will always be about the struggle. As Will Durant says, the second rule of biology is that life is competition and it'll continue to be that way. Till the end of time. Homo sapiens, humans, are competing for resources with other species. It's all, it, it, it's not even, it's the way of God if you believe in God. And it doesn't mean competition has to be ruthless, although when I was watching yesterday, 
we were at a restaurant and they had the TV on and it was an octopus and a crab in the bottom of the ocean uh, and they had a camera on it and this octopus is just ruthlessly chasing this crab and the crab gets underneath this rock and thinks it's safe and the octopus slips around the other side and just grabs it and I was talking to my friend I was like man mother nature is just ruthless we live in a world that's not even that ruthless 9% unemployment is not a ruthless uh, life to live in the broad spectrum of understanding history when my grandma was a little girl she moved to America at 21 1939 when America went to uh, sorry Germany went to war with the world invaded Poland starting and um 250 million people's lives were displaced out of about a little over a billion population. 25% of the world's life was directly affected. And none of us have lived through that, but we're still more external blamers than my grandma. You know what my grandma just did? She goes, I'm getting on a boat. Her family, she told her family we need to leave. They didn't want to leave. So she left on her own. She just took responsibility on her own didn't focus on the external world to blame. She did pay attention to the external world, but she didn't focus on it and say, well, I should go, you know, I should cast my ballot differently. Oh, casting her ballot didn't matter. She took action. She got on a boat. She came to America. She didn't know hard. She knew one person in America. She didn't speak, you know, perfect English. She came through Ellis Island and saw the Statue of Liberty. She got a job as a waitress. And she picked herself up and she built a family and she made it to the, you know, she learned how to do a little bit of investing, a little bit of saving, and she survived and she competed and she didn't go, well, it would have just been so much better, Ty, if, you know, Lyndon Johnson had been, hadn't been president and it had been blah, blah, blah. Like, like this is nothing. Presidents don't matter that much. They matter a little bit. But it's probably similar to what they say about improving your health. Improving your body is about 60% diet, 30% exercise, and 10% supplements. Unless you're doing steroids. That's a little different. But for the most part, your, your body will be determined. So that means if you just focus, if you miss weight things, as I was talking about in the beginning, you miss weight things and you spend... 90% of your time focused on supplements. I know people like that. In fact, I have a friend who I've, I've been testing pe- people's blood and his blood's all out of whack. And he's like, vitamin D, can I just take more supplements? I'm like, dude, you need to get sunlight. He's like, can I just take more dropperfuls of vitamin D? I'm like, no, your body can only, needs to absorb some in the natural way. So I was like, you're going to have to take action. You're going to have to go out in the sun. Can't solve everything with a supplement. You can't just go, oh, I don't get enough calcium. Let me just take calcium supplements. You need to get it through your food is first. Your body primarily a reflection of your diet. And then secondarily, exercise, weights and cardio. And then lastly, supplements. That's probably the exact same ratio as presidents and politicians. Our live outcome is about 10% related to Politicians. They're kind of like supplements. That's what they call them, supplements. They're not the main thing. They supplement. And so what's the real question then is, in that analogy, what's first and second? 
what is the equivalent in your life of diet and exercise? Because that's 90% of your health. And I would say that body, uh, that life, 60% is what you actually act on. What you act on. So are you acting on, so like, for example, educating yourself. You have to like get a book, open it, read it. That's action. And you have to actually go to conferences, go to seminars, do stuff like that. You have to, that's, and you have to, let's say you want to increase your income. You have to actually start a business that there's a process to that. That's 60%. 30%, the exercise thing, I mean, I don't know. I would say it's 60% education and training, then 30% doing, and then 10% politics and external things. Training is important. I, I Training is kind of like doing, but implementing would be 30%. Or maybe it's 40, 40, 20, something like that. But the two big things are learning stuff, how to do stuff, especially in the modern world that's changing so fast. Everything that worked 10 years ago doesn't work anymore or it's slowly not working anymore. Just ask Toys R Us. Just ask MySpace. Just ask Kodak Films. Just ask American Apparel. Just like doesn't, like Warren Buffett said, what worked in 19, what made him money in 1978 wouldn't have made him money in 79. He had to be a learning machine. And by learning, you improve. And so 40%, let's say learning. And when I say learning, it's not just a book. Books are a starting point, but it's being trained. If you want to play basketball, if you want to be a Navy SEAL, they train you, which is structured kind of exercise, not just randomly picking up a book every time you brush your teeth. It's like disciplined, focused, repetitive training. And then after that, you go out and implement it on your own. And then after that, you hope that the external factors of the world, like who's president, support you. But I'd rather get 80% right and 20% or 90% right and 10% wrong than what most people do. Just focus on the 10 and ignore the 90. Let the 90 just be in shambles. Makes no sense. The math is wrong. The ratios are wrong. So I'm almost at my grandma's. I guess we're going to go. So saying goodbye. If you're watching this on the video, if you want to hear this full thing, just go to, uh, we'll put a link below. But if you just search iTunes, my podcast will come up somewhere, somewhere around there. And we'll try to put this up on Spotify too. All right. Bye. Hi, I'm Arusha Pires, host of a new podcast called Investing with IBD. Here are a few snippets from the conversations that we're having. Ah, Facebook, you know, it's coming back. I was really treating it as a counter trend kind of stock. You have these really fast moving stocks. You want to have a little bit slower moving stocks yeah, also definitely. in your portfolio. What Bill observed after sitting through many market corrections is that the market will come down, but you need to wait a few days and see if there's going to be continued power. And that's where he came up with the follow-through day concept. 
one of the most interesting things is, you know, utilities have actually been very, very strong over the last 52 weeks. The work that we've done on yield curve inversion suggests that after the yield curve inverts, over the next year, utility performance is actually not that good. Come join the conversation on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.